Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Dale. We're sisters and best friends, and this is Proof It's Possible. Jamie and I are complete opposites, but somehow through every stage of life, we stay on the same team. We're kicking the door wide open and sharing our morning coffee chats with you. Join us as we chat about everything from chasing our dreams to entrepreneurship to family, friendship, and what other craziness we have going on that week. Hello, welcome back. Today, we are chatting about an interesting topic that is keeps coming up around like January because it feels like this is something people try out, try on, being sober curious. So Jamie, you are probably way more like versed in this just because of what you're what you do for a living and who you help and all that. And maybe you want to like explain to people that part of your life and that business. But yeah, what are your thoughts on people who feel like they want to take a break from drinking? So I I have so many thoughts on this. I think that any break from drinking is like a positive thing. Um, and I don't know if, do you follow Dr. I think it's like Dr. Amen. I don't Amen? think I do. Amen? Anyways, he's like a, um, some type of a specialized like brain doctor. And he literally studies the, like the physiology of the brain and what okay, happens. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yes. And so he says like any moment, like any break from drinking is like so healthy for your brain function. It's so good to just like even give your brain a break from like the toxins of drugs and alcohol. So I think that there's like, there's so many positive things. I also think that it's such a slippery slope because if you feel like you need a full break from drinking, you perhaps have a problem with drinking. Like, People that have a natural, normal relationship with alcohol don't have to have hard and fast rules like I'm on the wagon or I'm off the wagon or I'm not drinking right now or, you know, like a lot of that is what the addictive addiction community calls like white knuckling it. If you can prove to yourself, I can go a month, I can go six months, I can go a year, then I don't have a problem. But if you have to make deals like that with yourself, then you might have a problem. So I think it's really interesting, this whole new like sober curious thing, because it's a lot of people that, you know, don't necessarily have a problem, but are seeing the benefits of not including alcohol or drugs in their life. So I think it's like a really positive thing. But I also think that there has to be a bit of self-awareness that if you have to make these rules with yourself, then maybe you need to do a deeper dive on what it looks like, what your relationship with alcohol and drugs look like. Um, and if you have any like addictive signs or tendencies. That being said, I think it's really fascinating because like any, like people from celebrities to like friends of mine have all gone this like sober curious route and it's all different kinds of things. Like, have you heard of California sober where they only smoke weed and they don't, they don't drink other drugs. And I don't know if I fully believe in like California sober. I think like sober is sober and it means like you abstain from drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Well, I know the slippery slope. I think in theory on that one is that if you have an addictive personality, you'll just move your addiction to the next thing mm-hmm. that you, you deemed being allowed, right? You're allowed that. So you move over to smoking pot and then you move over to gambling and then mm-hmm. you move back to alcohol. Like mm-hmm. if that's your nature, potentially mm-hmm. you'll, you'll just keep moving it around and never feel like you're addicted to anything. Totally. But I do think it's really cool that like, a bunch of people doing it makes it 
socially acceptable to not partake in drugs and alcohol, which, you know, reduces the stigma of addiction and all the positive things that come Mm -hmm. with that. The other thing that has been burst out of this like sober curious culture is that even in like the small city that I live in, there's more than one bar that exclusively serves mocktails, like fancy fancy drinks without alcohol. So- Which I think is like really just a fascinating thing because 10 years ago, you couldn't even get like an O'Doul's at a restaurant, you know, like, and that was your only non-alcoholic yeah. choice. You could get a pop, like your 10, like I'll get a spray. Yeah, or, or water. Yeah. Or water, or you could get or like, juice. yeah, yeah. I'll get an apple juice, please. And now you can get all these fancy, like, you know. Yeah, like cocktails, cocktails. but somebody has like come up with a recipe and made something special for you and you feel like an adult ordering it. Yeah. And I also know that like dad had said a long time ago that he, he likes drinking out of a fancy glass. Like when everyone else is drinking out of a fancy glass, he wants to drink out of a fancy glass too. And oftentimes if you order water, they give you like the water goblet that's on the table. Yeah. Or like a kid's glass. Like, yeah. Like it's not at all fancy. And so he would always, when he was newly sober, he would always order his water in like a fancier glass. Oh, I didn't know that about that. Yeah. That, that was like, a thing and I I do think that like the glass where you drink out of matters a hundred percent like from my coffee to my anything for like, sure nice I wouldn't consider totally. drinking my coffee out of like some of the scummy coffee mugs that are in my cupboard like I'm like oh exactly I don't even know why we still have that exactly so I definitely don't want to drink like my fancy drink out of mm-hmm. something scummy either so I just think it's really like an interesting thing because the whole world it feels like has had to stretch their limits a little bit and go out of the box and be like, oh, well, if they only want water, then we can still serve it to them in a fancy glass, or we can offer them something besides water that feels like they're having a bit of a special drink without putting this pressure on them that they, it needs to be alcoholic. Well, that's the thing about alcohol. That's like such an interesting thing to me. I am just a naturally not a big drinker. I, I don't do well drinking. I get sick after. So for me, it was like an easy decision to only drink now and then, which it literally is every five years. Like it's an actually at a five year incident sort of thing. And I like it when I do it. I feel bad after when I do it. So it comes with all the things, all the emotions, whatever. But I do wonder, you know how like Back in the 80s, when mom and dad were young and thinking they're so cool and we were kids, like everyone is smoking. They've got the windows up in the car, just hitting the cigs. And we just rocking had to live with baby. it. Rocking yeah, their baby. Rocking their baby while you're yeah. smoking. Like you smoked at offices. You could smoke on public transit. You Smoking was just part of society. And my that's first, just always- as, a side, as a side note, my very first job as a hostess at a restaurant there was a smoking section and like, yeah. it didn't have a roof. Like, I mean, no. it wasn't an enclosed okay. place. No, so exactly. like the smoking section was the entire restaurant because the smoke mm-hmm. just filtrated. And anyway, then I remember when they like enclosed it. Cause they're like, well, this is silly. The smoke's traveling over the half wall and <laughs> making it to the regular section. Like how dare it? That's weird. And then all of a sudden there was no smoking in restaurants and then there was no smoking. And the outrage. And the outrage yeah. was like, and then it was like no smoking near doorways outside, which like all appreciated from the non-smokers. But what I noticed was like when you when you started having kids, I there would be people that were like disappointed that there wasn't alcohol served at like their kid like kids' birthdays, and you guys weren't doing it 
because of any kind of sobriety things or nothing like that. It was just because you never thought of it. Cause you're like, well, this is a one-year-old's birthday. They're not going to drink alcohol. So I'm going to bring in what them and their friends are going to drink, yeah, you know, like or what kids drink, right. Mm -hmm. And their cousins drink and all the things. So you brought in like juices and punch and things that made sense, but there was a bit of an outrage, but it's like, and then I read something after that it, that alcohol is the only drug that we would consider serving at kids' birthdays, Christmas. Like, can you imagine showing up to a kid's birthday and they had a, a big plate of um, even like a joint ready to go for everyone to smoke? It would yeah. be bizarre. Or or a package of cigarettes that was like, hey, everyone grab one before you get settled. As soon as you walk in the door, don't forget your smokes yeah. or your or your drugs or whatever it is. Like it's a drug, but yet we treat it in society like it's handing everybody a bottle of water or well, and like uh, have you ever seen that quote where it's like it's the only drug where you have to justify not doing it? Like doing it. Yeah, you don't no, have to justify true. why you're not shooting up. You never no, no one's ever like, what do you mean you're not gonna do it today? What do you mean yeah, you're not what gonna do you mean? You're you're gonna come to a birthday party and not do a couple lines of coke? Yeah. Like, why not? It's you know, and that's very true. Like, why is it? And so I do wonder with this sober curious movement and it making more popularity, are we going to move as a society away from alcohol being just such a default in every social setting at I every restaurant, so. you know, will that change so. in our life? I think the younger generations don't drink nearly as much as we did at that age. Yeah. And as our parents did at that age. And yeah. I feel like I met a man who was sober at an event. And he said to me, the reason I got sober was because my daughter said to me on her 19th birthday, because you have to be 19 to drink here, on her 19th birthday, he was all excited to take her for a drink. And she's like, I don't want to go for a drink, though. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Everyone's been waiting their whole well, lives to go do. for a drink. Yeah. And he's, he's like, I'm not really that interested in drinking. And he said it was like the reality check that he needed that why, why do we teach our kids yeah. that like drinking is the only way to have fun? I think, you know how, when you watch like a movie from the eighties and they're smoking on airplanes and they're smoking mm -hmm. in offices and all the things that you've described, I do think movies from the two thousands and the, you know, 2020s, 2010s, we're going to look back and all of the ones where they're drinking alcohol is going to kind of feel like the way we feel about watching a movie from the eighties where everyone's yeah. smoking. We're going to be like, Oh, they did that. Oh my God. Totally. Well, and like when we tell the kids like grandma and grandpa used to smoke, they're like, no, what? Like they can't even, their minds can't even imagine it. Or if we say like people used to smoke in the car and like around their kids, like mind blown about the whole thing. They can't even imagine it. And that could very well be the next generation of people with alcohol. That's and I, then I wonder what's... What's replacing it? Because I do feel like, you know, as teenagers, you're you're naturally inclined to want to try something or want to do something. So is it like because marijuana and like gummies and things like that are legal now, that's what kids nowadays do? Like, I don't know. I'm so old and out of the loop that I, I couldn't so. even get to guess. I think so. And maybe it's just because I live in BC, but it feels like everywhere I turn, I'm like, oh, there's somebody smoking a joint. Like, so I do think that there is going to be, you know, that's kind of taken center stage because it is now legal. I don't know. Right. Right. Or is it going um, to be I more just... like healthy lifestyle where people like focus on exercise, hydration, B12, 
being right. fit, being, you know, like, well, I remember 27 years ago when dad decided to quit drinking, there was a few common things that came up. Like, and one of them was people said, well, you're, you don't seem like an alcoholic. Like you went to work every day. You had a good job. You managed to keep it like all that stuff. But they also said things like, or he said, it was already starting to shift then because he's like, you know, it used to be that you had to go to like the local pub or the local restaurant, have a bottle of wine on the table waiting for you and your clients to drink for your lunch meeting or your lunch business get together, whatever. And he's like, what's kind of great is he had joined a fitness club at the time, like a really nice one that had like racquetball and all these different things. And he said, you know, I can invite my client to go play racquetball or to go play golf just as easy as I could take them for lunch and drink all day with them. Mm -hmm. Like, why did it always have to be that? And so he just started like getting outside of his own routine around because, and you, you hear this when people quit drinking, like everybody, they have to like sometimes get rid of some of their friends or their friends want to get rid of them because they Mm -hmm. no longer have that thing in common that they always did. And it's like, your friends maybe don't have anything in common with you outside of drinking. Mm-hmm. And that's I a also, reality. I that feel you have like, to like the Gen Z's and the millennials of the world, they're way less, way less settled in their, like the traditional lifestyle than, than maybe totally. our generation and the generations past. Like they're not content to just like get a job and climb the corporate yeah, ladder. They're open to have kids. You know, like they've, yeah. they've stretched society's edges in the fact that like they're demanding to work from home. They're demanding more work-life balance. They're demanding more vacation time and more travel and all of right. this stuff that I think is like a positive thing. And I think that like, there is more emphasis on like traveling, having fun, going, experimenting in different ways mm-hmm. than like at Cowboys where you yeah, drink exactly. and draft with yeah. all of your friends because you're a college student and that's just what everybody does and that's what they've done since the beginning of time. I don't feel like college students go to your local like nightclub anymore. I feel like yeah. they have game cafes and they go on hikes on the weekend and like nobody was doing that when I was in university. Totally. Not a single soul was going on a hike. They were going drinking. So, so I just far. think that shifted, yeah. completely shifted in that like health has taken mm-hmm. a priority travel has taken like a front seat, you know, all of these more healthy experimental options have been, are now at the forefront. Whereas before they were like, just not even considered. Mm -hmm. Well, someone said to me, it's a great time. Like when we wrote our books, he said, it's a great time to write a book like this because it's very like mindset work and mental Mm -hmm. health. And it, it has like a sexiness to it. Like you are, somebody that is working on yourself mm-hmm. is like not necessarily a bad thing. Like it once was looked at, like mm-hmm. admitting that you struggled with something and overcame it or whatever has a whole new found, like people have an appreciation for you because they're like, well, that's an amazing thing to do for yourself versus a, like, I wonder what's the matter with them that they needed to work on themselves so much. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just a mind shift thing in our whole society about being healthy and thinking clearly. And I do so it'll think be that, to watch. Yeah, I do think that it was a necessary change, though. And I do applaud yeah. anyone, whether they're just doing it for the month of January, or they're doing it for six months, one year, totally. five years, they're made a lifetime commitment to never drink again or do drugs or whatever yeah. it is. I do think that like 
I applaud you. It's not easy to make changes in your life. And it is. Especially if your life revolves around that. And you literally are are saying, okay, I don't know what to do with myself because this was my pastime. Mm -hmm. And now you're not making your pastime anymore. Like bravo. Because that is overwhelming. That's a hard change to make. For sure. One thing I do want to say that I don't know that all of our listeners know why you're an expert in this. And I think you should explain your business and your quickly, you know, your story or whatever around it. Okay. Uh, I have shared on here before, but I will share again. I am married to an alcoholic that's in recovery and my dad is an alcoholic that's in recovery. And he's my dad too. He's my our dad, our dad. And I have a business that helps the family members of addicts kind of reclaim their life because there is a bunch of chaos that happens when you are the loved one and a lot of negative things that happen in your life and a lot of um, crutches that you kind of develop, character traits that you develop like victimhood and controllingness or submissiveness or whatever that looks like for you. But it happens in the face of addiction. And you don't even realize that you're doing it and you kind of lose yourself along the way. So I help the family members of addicts reclaim their life and um, find that kind of peace and serenity, whether the addict is using drinking, whatever that looks like. And I'm an expert in it because I have lived it and I have had to, you know, be in the depths of what it feels like to have the despair and all of that. And then I've had to climb out of it. And I made this commitment that I was going to throw down a ladder as soon as I got out of it. And that I wasn't going to let anybody else kind of go through that alone. And so that's what where my business was birthed out of. And so that's, that's basically what I do. Yeah. And I will just add to that, that Jamie is incredible. If you're in that situation, reach out to her. And like, she's the best in the business as far as helping family members of addicts. She also has a book all about this. And I feel like anybody who has a family member or is an addict that would like to read something and just dip a toe in the water of seeing how someone else felt and seeing how much alike we all are is a really great place to start. So go buy her book. What's, what's it called? Thanks for the shout out. Uh, it's called Looking for Proof and you can buy it on Amazon. Yes. And the other thing I will say is that Jamie's book, honestly, is changing the world. Like it is a more important book than she realizes. And anybody that wants to read it just out of curiosity, I recommend. But especially if you have an addict in your life, I really, really, really think you need to like leave this podcast and go buy right now. And I will say that, One misconception is that like, if the person in your life isn't admitting they're an addict, they think they just drink too much. They just use too much. They just party too much. They're just a weekend warrior. And they haven't admitted that they are an addict. The book is still for you. You don't have to, you don't have, they don't have to have had admitted it, or you don't have to even admit that they are an addict to say that their behavior has negatively impacted your life. I think that you'll find that it's negatively hearing somebody else's story about how somebody else's drinking or using has affected their life, you will find kind of like companionship in my story. So Mm -hmm. just don't think that that's the hurdle you have to cross. Like, oh, until my husband admits that he's an addict, that book's probably not for me. I do think that it's for anyone who's been affected by addiction, whether it's like your best friend from childhood or the person 
sharing your bed. It doesn't have yeah. to. Or your parent or your child, yeah. your child yourself. Like exactly. there's all different relationships and people involved in a family um, <laughs> dynamic with an addict. So however it's affected your life is a big, big variety of ways. But yes. Anyways. And just to close out, I want to say that if you are on the sober curious bandwagon, you are not just sober curious, but you have decided to get sober. You think you need to get sober. Let this be your message to keep going, to keep doing it, to reach out for help. Um, if you are the loved one of an addict, reach out to me. I'll help you in any way that I can. And bravo. Yeah. Good job. Keep, keep up the good work and keep choosing yourself. We are so grateful you're here. It would mean the world to us if you'll subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel and leave us a review. If you want to hear more from us, go to proofitspossible.com to join our mailing list and find our social links so you don't miss a thing. Thanks and chat next time.